Music as a way to worship God is a huge part of following Jesus, but we don't always have the tools we need to connect with God in a worship service. In this series called Behind the Lyrics, we're talking about the meaning in the songs we sing because your favorite worship song has more to say. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Music is powerful, right? Music has power over your life, right? Would you say that? Well, if you don't know, let me give you an example. Music is really good at, like, moving our emotions. Whether you know it or not, music moves your emotions. Like, think about when, like, people who go to the gym, those people, I'm not one of those people, but those people, I bet you have a Spotify playlist, Workout Jams, where you got workout jams. And because you have certain music um, that gets you hyped, gets you pumped, and gets your PR when you have this certain music playing. Um, think about like when you are just like feeling like it's one of those days where your eyes are just about to let go. And you're like, you know, I'm just one, one sad Sarah McLaughlin song away from the floodgates. And you just need to let it out. And you know which song you can play to your jams. You know which song it is to get it. Yeah, I don't have that playlist, but <laughs> somebody does, right? And you know the songs that can boost your mood too, right? Do you guys, you know Happy? You remember that song? There was a time in my life, there's a website. I believe that website is still up, operational. And let me see if I can find it for you. There is a website that is called like, it's something like Happy 365. And it's a, a music video that is 24-7 of that song playing and people dancing down the street to that song. And so when I found that, let me tell you, I played that song roughly five times a day for months. My roommates, very, very upset. <laughs> very. Because I had like, I had really good speakers that I, so I bought like $20 speakers from Goodwill and I wired them into my shower in college. <laughs> it was amazing. And so it was just like sitting right above my shower and I could blast whatever I wanted to. And what I wanted to, okay, the, the URL is 24hoursofhappy.com and it just loops this song. And uh, let me tell you, I spent a lot of time on that song. Music is powerful. I noticed during those few months, that was a great way to start my day. My mood was boosted when I started my day that way. Music can do that. And at church, we spend a big chunk of our time on music, right? And if you've been going to church at all, you've noticed that. And you may have been asking, why is that? Why do we spend so much time on music in a, in a spiritual setting, in a church setting? I'm not sure why that is. And so in, right now we're in a series called Behind the Lyrics because we believe that your favorite worship song has more to say. And the songs that we play in, on Wednesday nights, on Sunday mornings, they have more to say than maybe what you may have gathered by at first glance. And so that's what we're talking about. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the songs that we sing in church and what the words that we sing actually mean. So we'll be talking about that. And um, first of all, let's talk about why worship is important, because I think that's a great place to start. There's a man named Paul, very important to the Christian faith. You may have heard of him, because I talk about him kind of a lot. Next to Jesus, very, very important person. And he wrote a, 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 a letter mentoring a church in the city of Colossae. And so they had some questions about worship, and this is what he told him. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
Now, there's three things he says here. First, learn from these songs. This is a major learning portion of our church experience, of our God experience, is learning through music. The spirit is central. He says these are songs from the spirit. This is, this is a spiritual thing. This is not just a musical thing. This is not just an emotional thing. This is a spiritual thing happening. And the third thing is sing with gratitude. Uh, go, come into his gates with thanksgiving and praise and be appreciative of what you have. I just listened to a podcast that said, you, know, you may know some of the happiest people in the world are supposedly in like Norwegian areas that like uh, Scandinavian, Sweden, Sweden, I believe. I don't know which one of those countries, Finland, has like the happiest people, but they're notoriously happy. And this research said the reason is two things. They have for life low expectations and high appreciation. That sounds sad. But when you pay, only if you take one, if you say low expectations for life, you're like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. But high appreciation, that's not a bummer. When you have low expectations and things happen great, or things happen like mediocre, they're still above your, your expectations and you could be pumped. But the piece, um, the reason I bring that up is that appreciation piece. They are thankful people. They're glad for what they have and that leads them to happiness. And God says here, be thankful for what you have. And worship is a big part of that. There's another letter written by James, the brother of Jesus. I always pay attention with James because James admitted his brother was the savior of the universe. I'm going to say that again next week. You're prepared because this is a big deal. This is important to me that Jesus' brother was like, yes, my brother is the savior of the universe. And I don't know what it would take for me to say that about my brother, but I would have to really, really believe it. And James really, really believed it. So pay close attention to James. And James said this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Draw close to God. And when you do that, he meets you. He comes close to you. He's doing way more work. He's going to do the lion's share of the effort to get close to you. He cares about you. That's such an important part of worship, connecting with God. And this is important because I don't want you to miss what worship can be for you. We, we spend time in worship every, almost every single Wednesday, almost every single Sunday. We spend time with this musical part of the service, and I don't want you to miss experiencing God in that time. That's why this is important, so that you don't just let words go by you on a screen, so that you understand that this is an important part, and you can miss God's presence if you don't engage. That's what I'm here to do, to beg you to read the words, believe what you're singing, and really engage in worship. So tonight, we're going to go through three songs, just about line by line, and then we're going to go into small groups to kind of discuss those songs together, and then we're going to come back into this room, and we're going to sing those songs, and we're going to worship together. With all that in mind, we're going to start with Unstoppable God, and I love this song. This is one of my favorites. Very fun song. Um, to, uh, this is one of my favorites to lead. I always love jumping around and singing this one. So intense and fun to do together. Um, if, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. So that they're, they're kind of like a big church. And if you listen to worship music, Elevation Worship, very top of the line. Um, if you're into sermons, Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick is their preacher generally. Great, great preacher. Um, so Unstoppable God was written and originally performed by this group, by uh, Elevation Worship. And so we're going to start here with the chorus. And it says this, Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Oh. So <laughs> we believe that our God is unstoppable. And we say that we're saying 
nothing is impossible for our God. That's what we believe. This song is all about that idea. Um, the chorus and the bridge both outline this central theme pretty well together, but nothing can stop our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. And what's cool is he chooses to do those things, those impossible, insane things, through us. He doesn't just do them, but we get to do them in his name. That's why this in your name thing is important, because he doesn't just, you know, like just lightning strike miracles every time. Like he uses people to do his work. He's always done it that way. And we get to be a part of what God is doing because we're doing it in his name. Also, this glory thing is interesting. Uh, Let your glory go on and on. You may have seen that word. If you're like a church person, you may have seen it in worship and maybe reading the Bible, that kind of stuff. And this glory thing is complicated. And so let me give you two ideas about glory. It's something that God has, and it's something that we give him. Last week, we talked about how God is holy. And part of holiness is this glory, the set-apartness, this awesomeness. So God has glory. Um, and then, so that's the first idea is that God just has it because of who he is, because of how amazing and, and different and set apart, holy he is. God has glory. But also when we worship him and praise him, we are giving him glory. So there's kind of like two definitions to this word. And sometimes we use them both at the same time. But this time, uh, primarily we're saying your glory is big, but also we can give God glory. It's something he has and it's something we give him. So it's a little confusing, but that's a little, that's a bonus for you. I also want to hone in here on verse two, uh, because We're going to talk about Jesus, and I love to talk about Jesus. So it says, freedom conquered, all our chains undone. We're going to talk about chains again later. Sin defeated, Jesus has overcome. Mercy triumphed when the third day dawned. Darkness was denied when the stone was gone. So Jesus, we believe that Jesus overcame death and sin through his death and resurrection. Darkness was denied when the stone was gone. So we believe that Jesus is God in the form of man. He steps down into his creation, and he lets his creation punish him with death on a cross. The cross was not just for any old criminal, any old person put to death. The cross was for, like, very um, high offenders, really, really nasty people. And we let, so God came to earth and let us put him on a cross. That's a big deal. And so we believe that he literally died on the cross, And then three days later, when the third day dawned, he literally rose back to life. Literally dead, then literally alive. He defeated death. Mercy won. Darkness was denied when the stone was gone. Now, if you didn't know, um, when they put him in this tomb, they would have put a giant rock in front of the tomb. They would have, like, guarded that tomb with soldiers. They would have put the king's seal on it. It was, like, a big deal. They're like, there is no way, because this guy predicted he was going to come back to life. Nah, there's no way he is who he says he is. And we are not going to let anyone stage a magic trick. So we are going to guard this tomb very, very well. So they put a big old rock in front of it and guards, and it was a big deal. So when his friends, Jesus' friends, came to check on the grave, um, this giant stone, which would have taken like a dozen people, probably more, to move, the stone was rolled away, and the guards were like, oh, no. And so these people walk up to the stone rolled away. So this, the stone was gone. This stone became a symbol for the resurrection. This became a symbol of hope. Uh, it became a symbol of our God wins, na 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 na. That's what this, this, this is why the stone is important, because it was a symbol of the resurrection. So 
We look at the bridge. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable and will shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Like I said, these are some of the same ideas as the chorus, uh, but it's also alluding to a particular verse, Matthew 17, 20, which says this, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and that mountain, that will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So uh, I saw mustard seeds in Wegmans not too long ago. They're very, very small. <laughs> I've never used them for anything, but found them in the international food section, and they are very tiny. Go check it out, because you've got to see it for yourself. And God says, this is, this is the amount of faith you need to move a literal mountain. And that says to me, my faith is tiny, like real tiny. I like to think that I have pretty good faith in God, but if God says you have a little tiny faith and you can move a mountain, that means I have a lot of room to grow. So that's, this is how powerful faith is. And we talked about faith not too long ago about how faith means to have confidence in things that we can't see, hope for things to come. That's the kind of idea. Believing in God even though you can't see him, you can see what he's doing, you can see his effect on yourself and on other people. You can't quite see him, but you can still believe that's what faith is. Faith is super, super powerful. In the chorus, we have this O line, this uh, a little highlighted here for you. Now, the reason I think this is important, uh, we could have talked about it last week too, but this, these O's and A's and La La's come up a lot in worship music. And I wanted to talk about it um, because I don't want you to just sing that without knowing anything about it. So these words don't really mean anything specific, but um, they represent an, an outburst of emotion. They represent a really emotional part in a song. Um, we aren't just singing with our mouths, right? We're singing with like our hearts. We're singing with something deeper inside of us. And so it makes sense that these emotional words will come out. And you'll even see this like in ancient writings. In the Bible sometimes you'll see um, where a writer is very emotional and they'll say, oh, or Ah, and if you pay attention to that, because it's super important, because it's like an emotional climax of, of an event, is this oh and ah. Take Romans 11.33, where this guy, Paul, he says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Paul is marveling at God's wisdom and knowledge. And he says, oh, I cannot even. Maybe that's a good equivalent. I can't even. That's how Paul is expressing his emotion here. He just says, oh, and we do this too. Right? If you've ever been to a concert or a football game, people are weird. People will paint their bodies, they will wear all the same color, and they will scream for their favorite team. Woo! It's not weird there. But we come to a church, and it doesn't quite transfer. You've also done this if you stubbed your toe. Poor Alyssa. Pray for Alyssa today. Oh, I got a snap of an ugly toe. She is in trouble today. <laughs> they were, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you have stumped your toe and you got, <laughs> it's an outburst of emotion. It means something. It comes from your heart. It's not like words from your brain. It's something deeper than that. So we do this. Just realize when you see this in a worship song, we do this. It's not weird. It represents emotion. And take that time to be a little more emotional. Take that, that oh and ah and la la time to really sing from your heart, to give your brain a rest and just say, Here's my emotions. It's, it's okay to get emotional in worship. That is a part. It's not all of worship, but that's a part of it. 
So just be tuning in and, and checking out those things. Uh, like I said, I could have talked about this last week. King of My Heart has some O's in the chorus, but it's all over worship music. So keep watching. Watch out for that. Uh, you're going to notice. You're going to see it a lot. And also, it is peppered through this next song as well. Yes, it's peppered. There's an echo in here. Uh, which brings us to who you say I am or whom you say I am. <laughs> oh, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's whom. I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, but whatever. It's fine. We're going to move on from that. So let's start looking. Um, this is one of Sam's favorites, I believe. I think it is. It, it seems like it is anyway. So we're going to start by looking at the first verse here of who you say I am. Who am I? that the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. You're going to see that oh here a bunch in this song and the next one. Um, I love that this song starts out with a question. Who am I that the God of all creation cares about me? Who, what have I done to deserve this? The answer is nothing, but who am I? He's just so loving that you can't, you are swept up in that love because his love is so big. You don't get a choice. That's just how big his love is. Who am I? I don't deserve it. But even still, I once was lost and he cared. He, he provided for me. And that speaks how huge his love is for me. Free at last. He has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me free at last. Last week, we talked a lot about this idea of freedom and how it comes off a lot in, in, in worship because that's a big thing that people can be thankful for, a big thing to tune into that appreciation aspect of worship and say, I'm free, and that's why I'm thankful. So this, uh, this verse here, it kind of begins the conversation of freedom in this song, and uh, it's really going to be highlighted in the chorus. So here it is. Um, Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, Yes, I am. And we also talked about, last week we talked about quoting scripture and how a lot of lines from worship songs is just right out of uh, an ancient understanding of God, right out of what we call the Bible, right out of what somebody 2,000 or 6,000 years ago said about God. We are still saying the same things, singing the same things. And we see that right here, John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's where these words are coming from. When God calls you free, there is no doubt about it. There's no negotiation. There are no questions. Um, you are free. And sometimes God has set us free, but we put our chains back on. Sometimes God has set us free, but we haven't even, like, noticed. That's our doing. When God has set you free, you are free indeed. You are free. No questions asked. You are free. It's over. That's it. Jesus has freed us from sin. Bottom line. All over writings about God, we see that we are his children. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. But it's important to be reminded. And in this song, you proclaim, I'm a child of God. And that's not where the line ends. In case you were confused, yes, I am. And this is another cool part where we get to say this over and over. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And I've caught myself. This has helped me catch, am I listening to the words I'm saying? When I sing, I'm a child of God, I wasn't quite paying attention, but then I sing, yes, I am. And my brain is like, wait, what am I? A child of God. Don't forget it. Say it over and over. Yes, I am that. I am that. And again, the more you sing something, the more likely you are to believe it. So that's really important here. There's actually a chorus too as well in the song. And it says, in my father's house, 
There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. This part really gets me. I think it's, um, it's really powerful when we see this father imagery of God. Um, and not everyone in this room has had a father that they want God to be. Some of you in this room have not had a father in your life at all. Some of you wish that you didn't have a father in your life, or sometimes you wish that that father was not your father. And, and I love to picture God as my father welcoming me into his home. He always has a place for me. He always has time for me. He always has never-ending, unending love for me. And some of your fathers do not look like that. But imagine the perfect father. I love to imagine God as my perfect father. There is a place for me in his home. There is always room for me. He is always there with open arms. There's some more reminders for us in the bridge. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Take that statement. Breathe it in. Breathe it out. I am who God says I am. Never forget that. Because people will try to tell you otherwise. People will try to tell you otherwise. They'll try to say, um, you are ugly. You are stupid. You are worthless. They'll call you crazy. They'll call you hot-tempered. They'll call you depressed. And some of those things might even be true. You might be ugly. Sorry, did you, were you not paying attention there for a second? <laughs> you tuned back in when I called you ugly. Listen, some of these things that people call you, they might be true. But more importantly, God says you're a child of God. Uh, you might struggle with depression. But when people say that to you, you can gr grab onto that and make that your entire life and identity. God says, no, no, no. Above all of that, maybe you do have a short temper. Maybe you do get angry pretty quick. Maybe you are sad kind of often. Maybe you are, um, maybe you are crazy. Maybe you are, uh, maybe you are, maybe you do struggle with school. It doesn't matter. Above all of those things, you are a child of God, and that's the identity that God wants us to latch on to. That's the most important thing you are. Chosen, not forsaken, a child of God, and no one can take that away from you, so hold on to that and sing that over your life over and over again. God is for you, not against you, and no one can take that away from you. So sing that over your life over and over and over again. You are God's child. He loves you, and he loves you big time. That leads us into the third song here for tonight. Um, and that, it talks about that love, and we describe that love as reckless reckless love. And the verses in this song have some content, but I'm going to look specifically at the repeating parts. You have been so, so good to me, and you have been so, so kind to me. These two lines, um, they set up this theme for this song of love and God's love, God's goodness. And we'll talk about God's love in a minute, but here we get to see why we know he's, he loves us. And it's because you look back and see how good he is. You can look back and see his goodness in your life. He has been so good to us. And let me just say, I understand some of you don't always believe that, don't always see that. And let me assure you that the circumstances in your life that have made you feel like God is not good are not from Him. Because we believe God set things up in this world perfectly. Things were set up so that we wouldn't happen to have, we wouldn't, no one would be depressed. No parents would get divorced. None of the bad, no cancer would infect anyone. That's how God set this earth up. We mess things up. And so the ugly things that happen in our lives, they are not from God. It's 
But when you catch a little glimpse of hope, when you experience someone's kindness, when you have a little moment of peace, those are 100% from God. He is so good to you. He is so kind to you so that every good thing you experience, that is from him. He is goodness. He is hope, joy, love, peace. So that's what you need to remember. Those bad things that make you think God is not good, they are not from him. But every glimpse of goodness in your life is directly from God. He has been so good to us. And it's because he loves us so, so much. There's actually a lot of words in the chorus. We're going to break it apart and not necessarily go over every single thing. But um, you're going to notice a bunch of O's in the chorus, first of all. So just remember that's an emotional expression. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I love the idea of God's love being overwhelming. Like I talked about earlier, it's so big, you don't get a choice. God's love is so much, so much muchness that you don't get a choice whether you're going to be loved by God or not. There's just too much to avoid. You get love. That's how it works. It's too big for us to comprehend. It has no end. It's bigger than we can possibly imagine. And I wanted to talk about the title here a little bit, this reckless love, because um, this word reckless has some connotations. And it, it, it technically means, like from the dictionary, to act without thinking about the consequences. I just want you to know that's not exactly how it's being used here. That's just not how we're singing it. Because um, we're, we're saying that God's love is, is just, it seems crazy. It doesn't really make sense to us. That's what we're saying. It's, um, it doesn't seem to make sense. God acted with a plan. He understood the consequences when Jesus came to die on the cross. When God stepped into creation to die, he knew it was going to happen. He had evaluated the circumstances and said, yes, that is worth it because my love outweighs the pain. God acted with a plan. He knew it was coming. But from our perspective, that seems reckless. It was not reckless on his part, but it seems that way. And so sometimes people have an issue with this song because of the use of that word. And I just, if you just adjust what it means a little bit in this context, you don't need, I don't need to have a problem. It's not a problem for me because you just adjust your understanding of this word and how you're using this word and you can enjoy that God's love. It just seems so crazy. Now, it chases me down and fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. Now, this line's really important to me personally. Um, the, the ferocity of God's love, the ferociousness, is ferocity a word? Yeah, good, good. Um, is, is something I've been learning a lot about, and, and God's really been revealing to me this idea that his love is fighting for me and that I need to fight in this world to show people his love. And that's an important idea that's for, to me. Uh, I also want to point out this line about leaving the 99, because this is another callback to scripture right out of uh, his word. There's a man named Matthew, and he recorded the events of the life of Jesus. And he re recorded Jesus teaching through stories. He was teaching some people, and he said this. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off. And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. I don't think I need to say a whole lot about that. Jesus was teaching, and I think he taught pretty clearly here that God fights for the one that runs away. He cares about every single one that's running away. He cares. He loves us that much. He chases me down. He fights till I'm found. He leaves the group to make sure that I can have an experience with him. And that goes for every single person in this room, every person in the world. He is fighting 
so that everyone in the world is found. Along the same lines, we go to the bridge. It says, there is no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. And here again, we see the lengths that God is willing to go to be reunited with his people. The lengths that he is willing to go so that you experience him. There's nothing that can put distance between you and him. He's going to do every possible thing to make it so that all he all that has to happen is you say yes. That's all that needs to happen. And you get to experience God's love. Even sending his son to die on a cross. That's what he did to be re- reunited with his people. Jesus came so that, and died so that we could have closeness with God. I love when it comes all back to Jesus because that's why we're here. That's why we're in the room. It's because of what Jesus did. A lot of worship is about what Jesus did and rightfully so, so that we remember constantly Jesus' sacrifice because it's why we're here. Now, I hope you're learning. I am learning through this series. And again, I, d- I don't want you to just learn about these three songs. I want you to learn how to look at a song and pull out the spiritual truths and, and recognize the scriptural references and, and take advantage of the emotional climax. I want you to be able to engage in worship. I'm giving you the tools. That's the idea of this whole series, to give you the tools to engage in worship. So don't let those words roll by you on a screen. Don't miss an opportunity to connect with God because there is meaning behind the lyrics and your favorite worship song has more to say. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you hear us when we call, that as we draw close to you, you come near to us, that you meet us. Thank you so much that we can use music as this tool to connect with our our Heavenly Father. And um, I pray that you just help us to put aside the things that are distracting us, Help us to put aside the pride that might make us, that might keep us from engaging in worship. Help us to make you the center of our worship. Help us to keep you at the center of what we do in here. We love you. We praise you. And you are good. Your love is so big for your people. And we are so thankful. You have been so good to us. We love you in your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.